remember last week when I said I started hating internet memes and Facebook memes and all that? Starting to love them again. And I'm going to end all my sentences with in accordance with the prophecy. So, this week we got to look at uh, the Electoral College. There's this nice little article on the Hill about uh, some changes in recent years. We're going to take a look at that. Clinton's poll numbers over Trump. Even Gary Johnson on the third party standings as of right now. Uh, plus, the, the the Olympics are over. Hillary Clinton and Colin Powell are clashing over over stuff and a whole much, 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 much more, including the Louisiana flooding, all that and more. Thanks for tuning in. This is Fritz Cast. Welcome to another edition of the FritzCast. It is Monday, or no, it's not Monday. <laughs> Funny, it's not Monday. It's Tuesday, August 23rd, 2016. Why wasn't there a FritzCast yesterday? Uh, long story short, my wife had uh, wisdom teeth removed on Friday of last week, and... Um, no recordings, no funny recordings. Wasn't a funny, fun experience at all. I'm not going to dive into detail about that either. I don't think she would want me to. Might even get slapped for merely mentioning it. So think about what I do for you people on a, on a weekly basis. I might be getting slapped for that. Anyway, wasn't a fun experience. And I mean, it wasn't, I, I don't know how wisdom teeth are typically removed, but these were impacted and they had to be like surgically, you know, removed and it just the results for the the last couple of days just were not fun for her and uh I probably did a couple of things that that earned slappings in my face but for some reason I didn't get slapped in the face so there's that yeah there is that uh this morning though she's back off to work she's she's getting back to to, to normalization which is good I hope the best for her and I hope that I'm being a far better husband than I think I'm being hopefully so, there's that. But woke up this morning, saw her off to work, went out and did my jog. I didn't do my five-mile walk today. I did a jog around the neighborhood for about two, two and a half miles. Uh, doing a lot more jogging, which is good. Um, I feel a lot better, get around a lot better. It's good for me. Um, feeling much more, you know. Uh, you know, I'm feeling, uh, feeling a little bit healthy there, Brian. Yeah, you know. I know my Stewie Griffin isn't that good. Um, I don't particularly care. I don't give I don't give a crap. I'm still gonna do it. Um, maybe I just won't call it Stewie. Hmm? Hmm? I say fat man. Uh, but the weather this morning it was like it was chilly. It was chilly. I walked outside and it was woo. Not burr, but like woo. I can feel that. I can feel that air. It's cold. It's cool. It is substantially it is substantially cooler than the air that is in my house right now. So. That was nice. I was out in my shorts enjoying the, you know, enjoying the weather. Not hot, not humid. Uh, it's getting it. We're, we're getting ready to push on over into fall. Fall is coming. Brace yourselves. Fall is coming. That means one thing. That means bonfire season. You're all invited to my backyard. Ask me for the address. We'll sit. We'll talk about politics. I don't know. We're not going to talk about politics. We're going to sit around the bonfire and drink is what we're going to do. Because that's what you do at a bonfire. 
you drink and you make s'mores with Reese's peanut butter cups because they're delicious. Number one, and number two, you do it with you do it with other stuff. You buy like all those Hershey Kisses, well, not Kisses, but you all the Hershey chocolate bars. You just keep buying different ones. Like you buy dark chocolate, milk chocolate, cookies and cream. Don't knock it till you try it, because it's damn good. White chocolate uh, for you racists out there. And in fact, I think I would like to try it on a Kit Kat bar. That would be that would be intense, right? Imagine doing a s'more with Kit Kat bars. M- probably some of you are going, wait, wait, you just said do it on a Reese's. Yes, yes. Reese's cup with marshmallow and graham cracker, delicious. Probably not all that good for your health, but delicious nonetheless. And as I stated last week, if you're taking like five-mile walks and, and mixing running in and doing a lot more exercise, you deserve something like that every once in a while. It's a bonfire. I do it like maybe once a week. I got a nice supply of wood to get me through uh, up up until, you know, I might even, depending on how mild the winter is, if the winter were mild, I would do bonfires in December. Do a Christmas bonfire if it wasn't like, you know, 20 degrees outside. But then then again, people might want to do a bonfire and sit around a nice warm fire in you know, 20 degree weather drinking beer because you don't have any problems. That's there's no problem with that, right? I would certainly hope not. I don't know, it seems like a damn good life to me. So let's see, coming up this week too, oh, I got uh me and my wife have we have at least one uh I guess double date night coming up with uh Luther and Jay Sean to go see Titus. Yeah, Titus. My wife didn't even know who Titus was before we were invited to this. I said, he's he's a, he's a funny guy. And she said, what? I said, funny guy. You know, you go, you sit in a the theater, funny guy gets on stage, does funny things. You sit there, you laugh. So we're going to see funny man Chris, Christopher Titus uh, this week, which is awesome. So you just wish your life was as awesome as mine. It's cool. It's fine. If you want an awesome life like me, let me tell you some things you can do. Number one, you can go out, get yourself a microphone. Uh, you can get yourself a Mac. Get, uh, should have GarageBand on it. If not, buy GarageBand. Uh, sit in front of a microphone in a quiet room and uh, just you know record your thoughts. That's that's step one to getting to my level. Step number two, getting to my level, applying at your local Department of Correction agency. Uh, so long as it's not a privatized corrections. If it's privatized corrections. Just forget about it, which we're going to talk about that in a minute, too. But if it's privatized, forget about it. It's not it's not worthy of your time. Don't do it. That's coming from a guy who works for, you know, state corrections, which does it the right way. So. So if you do those two key things, welcome to my life. That's that's it. That's all you got to do. And then you have my life. Now, uh, I just mentioned the private corrections things. Now I'm going to say something that, that might tick libertarians off. I don't know. Like I said, I've said it in past episodes, if you talk to libertarians, there's no, there's no, there's no, uh, there's almost no two libertarians that think alike on this kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of times when you say libertarian, everybody thinks, oh, well, they want to shut down the government completely. Everything should be privatized, yada, 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 bull crap. It's not necessarily true. Now, the the Justice Department, and I'm stealing all of this information from an article posted by the editorial board at the New York Times. The Justice Department um, instructed the Bureau of Prisons on Thursday to start phasing out the use of private detention facilities. Um, it should be 
the beginning of the end of an industry that has had, uh, I think, a bad effect on the American justice system. Here's the thing I don't like about private prisons, and that's because mostly they're private for-profit organizations for prisons. To me, and I've, like I said, I've worked state corrections, so I work at a, you know, it's it's the state, the state-run corrections. We don't have private corrections here. Uh, there's no private facilities here. There's no contracted out anything. We have a couple of level five uh, maximum security rated prisons here. We have some community correctional centers that are like work release programs. We have uh, probation and parole, home confinement, GPS, ankle bracelets, the you know the, that whole nine yards. That's how it boils down here. Uh, there's no private facilities. There's no corporate corrections. Uh, corporate corrections of America, CCA, or uh, or any of the other ones that you see. Now, privatizing the prison system brings bad juju in my mind. Um, if you ever have this argument with libertarians, it's actually one of the things that Gary Johnson did in New Mexico that I don't agree with uh, as a whole. I don't think the idea of private prison industry is is a very good one. I don't. Mind you, this is coming from a guy who works in corrections who absolutely backs reforms to uh, criminal justice, different approaches. Uh, I, I'm, I'm more for Gary Johnson's approach to the drug war than, than anything else. Uh, I don't think prison is a, is a good place for rehab. I don't think that we handle it very well. But that's just me. There, there's certain tools and programming and, and other programming and, and facets of that stuff that I think don't really jive well in a prison setting. I've always said that it, being in a prison setting, I should really be dealing with you know your strong-armed robbers, your rapists, your murderers, uh, your thuggish types. Not so much uh, people with the pettier crimes shouldn't be wasting our time and efforts on that so much as much as we should be dealing with the actual problem children of the world so to speak i don't i don't i might not have the best words to phrase it but l- listen to this article uh 1980s sentencing guidelines caused a sharp rise in drug fueled violent crime drove up population of inmates and the cost of housing them went up so over the years, uh, companies were making profits uh, for pushing these people in, you know, warehousing them, uh, stu- stuffing up the numbers of their buildings. Uh, this article, in fact, cites, cites that, uh, quote, the top two private prison companies had $3.3 billion in revenue in 2014, an increase from $1.9 billion in 2006. The point is that these things turn into like a numbers game. Like they have housing standards; they have to have a minimum certain housing inmates, and it turns it it turns everything into a, a just a very seemingly dirty business, if you ask me. That is my view of it, and for for the, the these private for profit prisons that I seen. Uh, I follow Corrections One all the time. Every bad story, like I, 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 it was a rarity that I ever read a good story on a private prison 
Uh, employee treatment is very, very low, subpar quality. They get paid um, very, very low. They are ill-equipped. They are ill-staffed. Uh, it is it is a numbers game and a money-making business, in my mind. The way that I've seen it, the way that I've seen these numbers play out uh, for the private. And I get into arguments all the time with uh, with people who work for these these industries. And I've, you know, I'm, I'm one that has respect for people who work in corrections because I work in the environment. I know the environment. It's an environment that most of the general public do not know about, do not care about, and know you sitting at home watching Lockdown on Spike TV doesn't count as knowing what happens in a prison. But uh, amongst the research, it's shown that they're less safe facilities. Uh, they cost just as much, if not more, to the state and the federal government. Because think about it this way, people. And this is why I think there needs to be prison reforms and all that. It's not there, To me, there's no way to make money off of this stuff. There's no way to, to generate revenue from housing your problem children. There's not. Now, obviously, there's people in society who, you know, you try to rehabilitate, maybe they don't take, and they need to be locked up. They need to be kept away from society, and that's what prison is for. That's, you know, either to keep them away for a certain amount of time, and that's all, that's all the American justice system is based on right now is time away from real life. We can, we could dive in and have a juicy conversation in the nuances about uh, rehabilitation and all that jazz. Right now, the the name of the game is that somebody gets sentenced to X amount of years, and it's the DOC, it's the Department of Corrections' job to oversee them, to to uh, to house them, ensure the security and safety of everybody that's housed there and secured there, and keep them secured there. When, when you boil down to it, what's my job as a security officer, as a, you know, I'm a law enforcement officer. What is my job in that prison? Uh, the first and unnegotiable parts of my job are safety of everybody in the building. So that ranges from the inmates to the fellow officers to the nursing staff, to the the civilians that are in there to help coordinate these programs. Everybody that sets foot in that building, including people visiting their people who are locked up. That safety encompasses all that and encompasses, yes, the general public because I'm making sure that these guys stay locked up. That's number one. All right, now I'm a sergeant in that building. That means I'm also responsible for all the officers on whatever area to the building I'm assigned. I'm responsible for those officers. If they are generating paperwork, I need to make sure the paperwork's legitimate. I need to make sure that they do it the right way. I have to serve out disciplinaries if it's warranted. All that jazz. Um, my job isn't to run a program. My job isn't to be a counselor of sorts. But guess what? It gets encompassed in my job. My number, my number one job is to talk to inmates. They come to me with a problem, and I have to talk them to a solution, whatever that solution may be. Maybe there's a legitimate solution to the problem. Maybe they have a legitimate question, and I have a legitimate answer, whatever. Uh, you know, I have a different approach to this where 
Some people might say, lock them up, throw away the key, forget about them. And it's easy to say that when you're not dealing with them every day. That's my job. That's my job for eight hours a day is to go in and deal with the problems that you say nobody has to deal with. Somebody has to deal with them. My whole point is there, there needs to be a lot of different reforms going on. Uh, but one that I think is a good positive step is eliminating the private prison system. I think that's a hemorrhage of money. I think it turns it into a game of, of money numbers. You know, a private prison industry isn't going to come up to do the right thing or to, to, to be that branch of law enforcement to secure, ensure the safety of, uh, you know, the inmate population and all that. They're in it for the money. They're in it for, you know, okay, well, we'll house X amount of inmates, you know, per year or whatever. We'll have these housing standards and you give us this money. And we'll, we'll pay off, you know, our employees like this, and then we'll just take this lump sum, and then we'll go to, you know, whatever. That's the problem with it. Now, being in the state, um, that doesn't mean that those number those numbers games maybe don't happen in the state. I don't really know all those little nuances that, that play into it. But I can tell you, I don't see where you could possibly make money off of it. And the name of the game should be trying to re- rehabilitate people get them back out in the community and make them, you know, upstanding citizens. Is that always going to work? No, because I've dealt with quite a few, how do I put this politically correct, um, people who could care less. And if you care less, if somebody doesn't want to take rehabilitation, if somebody doesn't really want to change themselves, you can't force it on them, you can't make them. So you take their time. That's That's what... That's what it is. You just take their time. And that's what prison is. It's taking their time. I don't want to dive in too much more because I've, I've been ranting about it now. And I don't want to rant about it. I really don't like ranting about work. I hate it. I hate ranting about work. But read up on uh, some of the private prison stuff. Read up on some of the stories that happened inside these private for-profit prisons. And you know some of the problems that they come across. I mean... Mind you, in general, corrections run into these problems anyway. Uh, overcrowding, understaffing, uh, no money for you know the employees. It all happens. Uh, but how do you fix that? You, you fix it through different reforms that change the, the way that it's run. That's all I'm saying. So, of course, in updated news, uh, the FBI uncovered 15,000 undisclosed emails in a Clinton probe... Uh, 50% more than the 30,000. Yeah, yeah, 50, almost 50% more than the 30,000 turned over to Clinton's lawyers. Uh, so 15,000 uh, new undisclosed emails. I don't really care about the emails anymore. Uh, I don't think it, I don't think it's it's a worthy endeavor anymore. Everybody's gone back to the emails. Everybody, everybody's going back to the same things to try to. Hem Hillary Clinton up. You got to come up with something new now. It's getting it's getting rather boring to. And I don't know anybody who's actually sat through and, and read these emails as they get released to the public. I don't know anybody. Uh, regardless of that, Clinton's campaign or Clinton herself. Hold on, I'm reading the article here. Should have been a bit more prepared for it, but I'm not. Forgive me. Uh, Clinton reported comments to the FBI. 
naming Colin Powell as the inspiration for her private email setup uh, for the State Department. So she was like, well, you know, it, it turns into this whole, well, you know, the, this person did it. That's what it turns into. So she says, oh, well, you know, I got the idea because, you know, Colin Powell. <laughs> well, well, here's Colin Powell's quotes. Uh, quote, her people have been trying to pin it on me. The truth is she was using her email setup for a year before I sent her a memo telling her what I did. And in true Clinton campaign fashion, they're refusing to talk about it. And Donald Trump comes out, quote, well, look, she's a liar. She lied about the email. She lied about Colin Powell. I saw that. He was not He was not a happy man. The whole thing is a scam with them. Everything is a scam, like grifters. It's crooked Hillary. Look Look at Crooked Hillary. She lied to the FBI. She got away with it. She's, she's going to rig the election. I'm going to lose because she's, she's going to rig the election. Speaking of Donald Trump possibly losing. Now, I talked about the, the whole rigging of the election thing. I mean, if you really, if you dive into it, if you look at statistics, if you look at scholarly written articles, uh, debates... I've read a couple of books uh, throughout school this semester because I'm studying public administration. And uh, one of the things I had to write on was propaganda. Propaganda is a, it's a funny word because people hear the word propaganda, they automatically think evil. Not, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Let me read you. This is a paper that I wrote. Um, let's see. I dated it. For August 7th, so a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm just going to read you how I penned it in this paper. And mind you, these papers you're supposed to write academically and you're supposed to analyze things. So I'm going to read you a passage from this paper that I wrote. Uh, I'll, I'll read you the first two paragraphs. We'll just breeze through it. So uh, the, header, the header for it, propaganda, is that bad. Uh, Modern-day America is vastly different from any other point in history. Our reading this week suggests propaganda was always a tool used to manipulate public opinion and belief, arguable since the dawn of time. Uh, Some would argue that today the world is so different that those elements do not work anymore, especially not in the day of the information age, where news is breaking 24 hours a day and lies and scandal can easily be uncovered with a quick search of Google. While technology may have curved things, the same tactics are still in place and the public as a whole still react much in the same way. When that word propaganda is passed around, many people think the worst of it. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines it as ideas or statements that are often false or exaggerated and that are spread in order to help a cause, a political leader, a government, etc. While the definition can allude to intentional misuse, propaganda is something that happens every minute of every day. The Funk and Wagnalls Encyclopedia sheds some light, stating, in a more general sense, the sense of the word is often used in this article, propaganda need not involve false, distorted, or even exaggerated claims, though by nature it is at least one-sided. I then go into a spiel later in the paper about how it's about presentation, it's more about presentation than anything else today. Think about it. All our major politicians that we see and hear on the on, on the news all the time, 
You know, what's Donald Trump reading from now a lot? A teleprompter. What what does President Obama need to express coherent thought? A teleprompter. Teleprompter, speech writers. Come on. This is this is this is where we are now. It's it's about people who can get up there and seem charismatic. Not necessarily who are charismatic. See, back in the day, you had to actually have that charismatic appeal to you. Because there weren't teleprompters and there weren't speechwriters. Or you at least had to memorize your speech from your speechwriter. And you had to carry that with yourself. Uh, You didn't have to worry about being on television all the time or the TV cameras catching every little thing that you did. But nowadays, it's it's 24, 7, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, breaking news. You know, people tune into the news on a breaking story, and they just sit there and they watch because they want to, you know, I want to see what happens as it unfolds. I don't care. Give me, give me information when you have information. And if you don't, don't waste my time with the stupid, you know, helicopter flying over the scene showing stuff and slowly giving me information as you want to give it to me. It seems like a glorious and delightful waste of time. But regardless, I'm getting sidetracked. The, the the propaganda right now with Donald Trump is to get up there and, you know... Mind you, he's not entirely lying up there, is he? Did Hillary Clinton tell the truth to the FBI? Does it matter what the FBI said? Because we've already picked apart the FBI's words. We already pick, picked apart James Comey's testimony of, you know, no, this has happened before... And people have gotten in a lot of trouble, but we don't see why there should be criminal charges. And that's that. That's that. It's in the it's it's in the past now. There's nothing we can do about that. But every little instance of the emails and any chance Donald Trump gets, it's gonna be she lied, she lied, she lied, she lied. She's a liar. She's crooked Hillary. She was a friend of mine. I gave her lots of money in the past, and she was a great candidate. You could probably comb you could probably comb the airwaves and find lots that of nice things that I said about her, but now she's crooked. She's a liar. She's a dirty Clinton. She's a dirty Clinton. You don't want to vote for a dirty Clinton, do you? And the voter fraud thing keeps coming up. But like I said, just... The interesting thing is I read, in conjunction with writing this paper, and I'll read you the paragraph, mine as well, Quote, you can look no further than the current United States presidential election for 2016. Weigel, 2016, of the Washington Post reported that candidate Donald J. Trump is warning of voter fraud, stating, quote, if the election is rigged, I would not be surprised. The voter ID situation has turned out to be a very unfair development. We have people vote 10 times. And Weigel reports, This has become a staple in the recent wave of Donald Trump rallies around America. This is an excellent example of tapping into a number of emotions in voters to try to gain momentum and sympathy. While it seems unlikely that such a pointed statements from Trump's would be taken seriously, one does not know anything with how the current election cycle has played out. Eichenwald, 2016, argues that voter fraud is a rarity, but bringing up the subject impacts the election, pointing to a book written by Lorraine Minute, who stated, quote, the problem is the myth of fraud that can influence the vote count and, more important, shapes the rules that erode voting rights. 
The argument essentially would be that Donald Trump does not need to present factual cases, but merely suggesting fraud could steal an election away from him will evoke a number of emotions among the voting body. So, when you hear him say, voter fraud, people will vote 10, 20 times, people. Are they really? Or is that just, he says it, and a bunch of people go, yeah, voter fraud, yeah, people are going to try to silence us, yes. They're going to try to steal the election, they've already stolen it so far. Look at Bernie Sanders, look what they did to Bernie Sanders. They did nothing to Bernie Sanders. Those people trying to argue in favor of Bernie Sanders, who wouldn't have wanted him to win anyway, don't realize that they're defending somebody who is fundamentally different from their political beliefs. It boggles my mind. It makes my head want to explode. It really does. Uh, The only thing I could say about Bernie is nice guy. Nice guy. Genuine. Definitely means what he says and wants what he wants. Except for the part where he sold out. But we won't go into that. We've done that before. I, I appreciate you um not bashing me this time. Uh I've I've gotten I've I've listened to, to your show, your to your podcast, and I've gotten really tired of you uh w- number one, you can't do my voice. It is uh it's it's horrible. Uh it's as bad as uh as well, I mean, I'm endorsing Secretary Clinton now, um, so I can't say what I was going to say. Okay, so pleading the fifth—that's pleading the fifth. That's 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 good for you, Bernie. Not 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 pleading the fifth. Uh, I would I would suggest I'm pleading the first freedom of speech, and I don't want to talk about it. Okay, that's not how it works, but whatever. How you, anyway, how you doing, Bernie? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, Jane is back at home, safe. Uh, you know, they released her, uh, which is, vi- which is very good. Um, I have, uh, I, I just bought uh, a new beachfront property, and uh, I, and I have a jet plane that I can use. So, okay, um, okay, all right, well. Hey, Bernie's doing good for himself. Thanks for, thanks for checking in there, Bernie. A- anytime, uh, I can, uh, I can, I have a very uh, huge open schedule, uh, and I'd love to, uh, you know, chit chat anytime. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, talk to my secretary, and we'll set up a time. I'm, I'm sure I'll get right on that. Now there was this story from the Hill. It kind of caught it. It it caught a glance of my eye. The the headline did. It says Trump Clinton race redraws battle for electoral college. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing British accents now, but we are. Um, so let me just read you some highlights from this. Uh, this is from Nilal Stanaj. Nial He's got to be stupid made-up pen names. I don't... Anyway, quote, This year's extraordinary election campaign is redrawing the political map, leaving experts debating whether the shift is a one-off or a more permanent change. Now, I thought this was like they were actually dicking with the Electoral College. It's not. Uh, says states that are expected to be hotly contested battlegrounds, such as Colorado, Virginia, and even North Carolina are shifting into the Democratic column. According to recent polls, erstwhile, erstwhile, nice use of erst, 
Republican strongholds such as Georgia, Arizona, and Utah are now competitive. In Iowa and Ohio, GOP presidential nominee Donald Trump is not running as far behind is not running as far behind Mitt Romney showing in 2012 as he is elsewhere. Both states have high proportion of white voters and voters without a college degree. Okay, so now they're trying to bash people who don't have college degrees. Here's the thing. When you try to get everybody a college degree, you can't say that having one is smart. Different argument. Uh, let's see. They fear their party could see its fortune. Oh, the overall picture is an ominous one for the GOP, according to Republican strategists. So, basically, demographics have changed in these battleground states, or people's politics have. And they're not looking at such uh, key strongholds anymore. This is... This is the argument against uh, the Electoral College, is it not? Uh, that it's not an accurate representation of the voting population anymore. Uh, and I, I think it's a fair argument to say against, uh, against the Electoral College. The whole election is a... Is a I'm having I'm struggling to say a word and I'm not even drunk. Strategic. It's a it's a strategic approach to the map of the United States. This is how they do this. They don't roll out voter demographics and say, "Look, we got the young vote, we got the Latino vote, we got the black vote," you know. They don't do that anymore so much as they go into the, like key states. Like this state's worth this many electoral votes. Then they break it down by demographics by those states. Is that an accurate representation of the voting body? I don't think so anymore. I just, I don't, I don't get it. Does anybody really get the Electoral College anymore? Does anybody really want to defend the Electoral College anymore? Does it really do what it says it's going to do? Ooh, sorry. <laughs> I hit my microphone. Angrily. That's how angrily this makes me. I'm, I'm literally, I'm... I'm talking with my hands. You can't see it. But if I had a camera up right now, you'd see a, you know, just hands flying right now. But, you know, I'm working on an episode about the Electoral College, and I know I've said that for, like, months now. It's because I want it to come out on a week when I don't have a lot to talk about, but before the election, to, to really make people think, like, is this what we want in our democratic uh, republic society? Is this how we want our votes determined? Because, I mean, honestly, is it? I don't feel the Electoral College represents my vote because I live in Delaware, and no matter what way I cast my vote, Delaware is three electoral votes, a.k.a. it's never going to be a battleground state. I was I was shocked, shocked to see that Donald Trump came here and rallied, that Bernie Sanders came here and rallied, and that Hillary Clinton came here and rallied. Three major political people, three major presidential candidates stopped in Delaware to have Delaware rallies. That's that's mind-boggling to me, but that's the only time they'll be here. They will not be, they will not be back. 
Donald Trump will not be back in Delaware. Mark my words. If he is, I'm going to have to eat him. Much to my brother Punk's delight. He's, he's, he's really... He's hoping to make me eat my words. Uh, when, as he says it, quote, Donald Trump is elected... Uh, Punk, have you looked at the poll data? August 23rd, uh, The Hill right now posting Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton holds an eight-point lead over Donald Trump, according to an NBC News survey poll. Clinton's favored by 50% of registered voters, while Trump is backed by 42%. She held a similar nine-point lead in last week's poll... In a four-way matchup, Clinton holds a five-point lead over Trump, 43% to 38%, with Gary Johnson having 11% and Jill Steen having 5%. By the way, for those of you who are knocking me, oh, you're voting for Gary Johnson and guaranteeing a Hillary Clinton win, very, very happy to burst your bubble here. Uh, Because Breitbart, Reason Magazine, and uh, several other websites are reporting that Gary Johnson is likely hurting Hillary Clinton more than Donald Trump. In fact, Breitbart report right here says Trump led Clinton by three points, 45 to 42. When Johnson was added, Trump led Clinton again by three points, 42 to 39, with Johnson picking up 10% of support. Both Trump and Clinton each lost three points of support when the Libertarian was added to the mix. Or there's this report from 538, collecting poll data from CBS, uh, Ipsos, YouGov, Pew Research Center, Public Polling Policy, Quinnipiac University, St. Leo University, Fox News, Morning Consult, CNN Opinion Research Corporation, Monmouth, Suffolk, SurveyMonkey, ABC News, Zogby, IBD, uh, Rasmussen, NBC, taking all the averages of all the poll data without third-party candidate, with third-party candidate, the difference of margins, the majority of pollsters have Clinton's margin over Trump shrinking when at least one one third-party candidate is included. The difference in margins, however, varies amongst pollsters, and a few, such as Ipsos, have Clinton's lead rising by the tiniest of bits when at least Johnson is included. Overall, including third-party candidates, takes about one percentage point away from Clinton's margin on average. So, stop saying that us Gary Johnson folk are going to be the cause, going to be the cause of Hillary Clinton winning. Because guess what? In the polls, even when Johnson and Steen and all the others aren't included, she's still beating Donald Trump. She's still beating Donald Trump. And my theory is it's not because she's likable. And calling her a liar really isn't doing any dents in the polling. I think it's just because at the end of the day, those people know what they're going to get with Hillary Clinton. And it's question marks all about for Donald Trump. He's already changing his stance on um, on immigration. The, 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 the hot button topic that everybody flocked behind him for. Because immigration, you know, needs reform and and yada, yada, yada. Now he's saying the current laws are perfectly fine. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So that's all I have in the tank for this week. I thank you for listening. Like, share, comment. Do whatever it is you do. 
Remember, this is on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Your thoughts, your comments, and your shares are always appreciated. Next week, and the week after, I'm on 8 to 4 doing some field training business at work. So, those episodes are going to be a little bit light. But, regardless, I'll see you all next week. Thank you. Love you all. Bye.